This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. I was in Fallujah in 2004 with the Marines at a very unpleasant time in the global war on terror. We have a couple of windows of time in which Fallujah is famous in the news. Famous for, well, of course, there was the killing of the Blackwater, the security officers and and, and uh, disgraceful abuse their bodies received from the insurgents who celebrated this, this, this victory on their part. During the 2004 campaign, when it was so hot and heavy in Fallujah, I was there in uniform, armed up, ready for the fight, but not in the fight with them. I was supporting them in the fight by being there for an anti-terrorism assessment. I was the red team guy. So I was the SEAL that was sent to Fallujah to talk to the Marines, look at the Marines, see what they were missing about their posture, their security posture. And this was one of my most challenging visits. I think I've done 100 or more over the past 20 years of being a counterterrorism, anti-terrorism guy and anti-terrorism officer and teaching companies and services and, and units like the Marines in Fallujah during the fight, how to find their weaknesses they're not aware of. it. We have blind spots. We all have blind spots. I've talked on the podcast before about how I think I look like Fabio. That's probably a blind spot. I believe I'm six foot four and weigh 240 of solid lean muscle and have long flowing blonde hair. I'm not sure that's accurate. You guys got to check my bio to, be, to find out. But the blind spots are something we all carry. The, and, and it can be worse when you're not willing to be accountable to yourself and honest with yourself and authentic, being the, the you you truly are, as we never stop talking about on this show. So I had a real challenge to overcome with these guys. So I'll give you a quick backstory, a little bit of dirty laundry, too, if you, if you hold through this introduction. But the Marines, God bless them. I love Marines. That's a very, very important force we have, a capability in our toolbox for the nation. And you can take a unit of Marines, three or four guys out for a, for a, a bar, bar hopping, or, or a thousand guys who are going to take a hill, and they'll do the job. They'll, you just point them in the right direction, they all run in the same direction and make shit happen. That is the nature of Marines. I love that. SEALs can't do that. We're not, we're not as organized. <laughs> we, we have other secret superpowers, but organization isn't one of them. So when I was talking to these Marines who know exactly how to protect themselves in a war zone, because they've been doing it longer than ever, anybody, not sure who, if you're aware of this, but the Marines were established before the Navy. The Navy was established because we needed to have one. But as far as organization in the U.S., we have had fighters on the sea organized longer than we've had the Navy organized. And the sense of elite pride, confidence in, in one's capabilities can be blinding can be one of those blind spots. I call this gap finding. Again, I've gone to 100 bases, 100 sites, 100 companies and walked their halls under a, a different identity. I've, I've gone through their fences, over their fences, around their fences and below their fences. I've seen what they can't see because they feel like they've got it all locked in. And I'm going to throw out a new concept here. Those of you who know about the sheepdog concept, the, uh, the protectors, the army, the police, other forces that are recognizably defenders for the innocent. And I think Dave Grossman came up with the idea who wrote On Killing. The idea of sheepdogs is a beautiful concept and a very important one. And I am a sheepdog in some capacity as a former Boy Scout and a you know, military guy for, for a lot of my career. But I have a different idea about, about the red team world, the, the people that become the enemy, that become the terrorist, who can see through the eyes of the terrorist are what I consider reformed wolves. I'm not shy about admitting me being a scumbag in my earlier years. I lied and cheated and stole from everybody to get what I wanted, booze, protection for, of, of being found out. I had to look over my shoulder for 10 years. I didn't want to get busted. I hated blue lights in my rearview mirror. Saw way too much of it, and our guest today is no stranger to those ideas, too. So this idea that we have to recognize our gaps in order to move forward, to build on that, until we recognize our weaknesses, we are literally building on sand. And the Marines in Fallujah, God bless them, were ready to take on the fight. They were up to that fight. They, they made it happen. I actually did a, another assessment at Abu Ghraib Prison. 
and I was not involved in the scandal, thank you very much. But by the time the attack came at Abu Ghraib, which I had choreographed, basically, and I'd predicted because of my assessment at Abu Ghraib when the soldiers were in charge, the army was in charge, an attack came a little less than a year later, and they were almost overwhelmed. But the Marines stood the wall, the Marines who were battered and bloodied by rocket fire and, and, and small arms fire did not stand down and they did not let the V-bid that was going to come and pop a hole in the wall to let in the insurgents to flow in by the dozens and wipe out the, the security force. They, they stopped it. So the Marines in Fallujah, I had a meeting and they're kind of busy. They're trying to prosecute a war. And we sit down at the anti-terrorism table and say, I want you to understand that you know as, well, as good as you are at defending the walls, which you've been doing for over two centuries, there are other ways. When a red teamer, when a reformed wolf comes to attack the flock, he's not stopping at the walls. He's not stopping at the known security forces. He's looking – I mean, that's our starting point. When you think you've got your, your defenses locked in, that's where I start and I find the gaps. I did an assessment at a, at a base in the U.S. one time that had a chain link. Uh, a chain was over the back gate in the back 40, and I drove through it with my rental car. Uh, because it was down, because the, the guys that were doing construction back there had not secured that chain. That let me, who was sniffing around looking for gaps, to find that gap, drive my car in, get on the dirt road, get onto the hard pack road, follow the signs to the HQ, follow the signs to the director's office, and place my notional VBIT or vehicle-borne IED, my car bomb, right outside his office and kill the commander. And I took photographic evidence of all that so that when they challenged me, I could say, here's how I got in. I'm not faking you out. I'm not using my visitor's badge to get to where I, I shouldn't be as the terrorist. So the Marines said, we, you, we got this. We know how to do it. But it, uh, over a couple of days of discussing around the table in between their firefights, I was able to help them understand that there are invisible gaps. And the invisible gaps is the whole point of our, of our task on Highlight Your Gaps because I want you to get honest and then get honest again. In my own recovery, we've talked about that in other shows, we have to get honest. If I don't get honest, I die. I've been told that you're only as sick as your secrets. And because of that, I'm a very transparent person. I'm very open. I'm very not oversharing, usually. But it's important to get honest with yourself and then keep going honest and honest and, and getting deeper and deeper into the honesty. So the the reason I want to open that up is because we have a person on the show today who, like I said, is no stranger to gap finding for his own life, to recognizing where he was not being honest with himself and being able to confront that and being able to level up from it and has is now got an amazing reputation in the community, a professional. I want to go ahead and read the bio directly from Marcus's site, MarcusTorgerson.com. There are two things that describe Marcus, all in. Marcus will be 100% with whatever things he is doing, if it's a job, friendship, responsibility, with everything. He gives his 100% whole, no questions asked, jump the cliff. It's his ability, his mindset to be able to take any risk necessary to do or accomplish things that he wants to. And that's from Israel Cohen from the, I'm going to, IKMF is easier for you to say, Marcus, than me. I think it's International Krav Maga Federation. Yeah. Correct. All right. So that is a global instructor for military and SWAT. So Marcus Torgerson, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a very, very great start to my day. We are going to have a really interesting conversation. I have no doubt about it. I've hinted at several things. You are extremely well-known in the Krav Maga world as being a guy who can break a couple of noses if you have to. And you don't like to break noses. You, you want to get along with folks and not be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, nobody ever wins a fight. So <laughs> it's unpredictable, isn't it? That's one of yeah. my biggest problems with it. I want to be ready for fights, but not instigate fights. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if everybody would figure out that you can, you can prevent probably a good in the high nineties percentage of of altercations. I mean, think about how different the world would be, right? If everybody would just be a, eyes open and you know, de-escalation is a sexy word, but really, it's just communication. Right. 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 Healthy. And when you can not look, when you're not trying to get over on somebody, not trying to establish your dominance, when you don't give a damn about that, like, hey, I'm cool, you're cool, let's be cool. Yeah. The guy can look like Fabio, in fact, and I won't be offended by that. Like, hey, I, I look like me. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you for looking like Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what do you put in your hair? <laughs> exactly. Is that mane and tail? I think Will Ferrell said mane and tail. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bond, on-air producer for Impact Actual. Welcome aboard, brother. Rob, it's a pleasure to be here today with you and Marcus. First thing, I actually have to, I have to ask Marcus, are you Norwegian by chance? 
Yes, allegedly, my uh, my people are, are from axe slaying, hair pulling type uh, generation. Me too, my friend. So is that right? And me three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. I've, uh, actually, I've, I'm a descendant of Vikings, which is pretty cool. So uh, most of them, like, like nine, I'm like ninety four percent. 94% Norwegian or whatever. Where does to, Bond come from besides, you know, James Bond? Well, it's so, okay. So it's the, as the story goes, so you know how obviously the Vikings raided England and Ireland and Scotland and all of that. Yeah. My line actually settled in Southern England and they adopted, uh, there was an adopted name of, of Bond is where that came from. Okay. But Do you know what your original name was? It was Norse Bondheim. Yeah, that's easier to spell Bond. Yeah, so, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that was on my that was on my grandfather's uh, my one grandfather's side. My and then my grandmother, um, her family is from Sonia Fjord, oh, which uh, you know, right up about halfway up, and then there's a little thing that breaks off called Lusterfjord, and then you go up Lusterfjord, and that's where, uh, right by Feigenfossen, um, so a lot of people know uh, Feigenfossen, very famous famous waterfall in Norway, and that's right. where her family came from. That is so. dope. I At first I was going to say, yeah. oh man, keep the Norwegian name, but Bond is easier, and it, it's pretty dope. How many times do you do it, though? Seriously, how many do you say, what's your name? Bond, Eric Bond. <laughs> oh, that's, Please tell me a lot. Uh, I used to say it a lot more than what I do, but. Oh, buddy. It, know, it, Rob, it can't Rob, get tired. Rob likes it. Yeah, Rob, I like Rob, it. Rob, and Rob tell him, it. tell him why. Tell him about the fight I had with your wife. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we, um, so my, <laughs> so we have a son, Archer, who was just born seven months ago. Very cool so name. Rob. Yeah. Thanks. So we call him, call him Archie. Long story behind that. My, my uncle Archie was uh, missing in action in World War II and Rob's heard the story. Um, his whole unit was killed in Burma beside him. Mm. He survived. Badass. So, you know, we call him Archie for him. But anyways, Rob, you know, would not give up on trying to name him James. So ultimately I took that, I took that to the tribunal and, uh, <laughs> It didn't Lost. Work out, so. Yeah, no. Yeah, the Empress shot it down. Well, and yeah, now, in yeah. fairness, Rob, to be honest with you, while we now think it's cool, think about Archie going through elementary school, through high school. You know, like you're gonna, he, that kid's got to be tough because he's gonna have to, you know, be able to live up to the name. So absolutely, you know. Yeah. But a middle name would have been dope. So that when you're mad at yeah. him, you're like, James Bond, you get over here right now. Like, oh. Yeah, everybody would want to beat up James Bond. That's a fact. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. not fair to the kid. Our old, our oldest boy, he's four now. His name's Ericsson, spelled E-R-I-K-S-E-N. So it, it gives you an idea of uh, Norwegian, the Norwegian background in our family. That's, that's good, man. Keep that stuff going. You know, yeah, that's good. We definitely Anyways. have a tradition in this circle right here. This is a full-on uh, squarehead Norwegian Viking boys yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, a lot <laughs> so of runes on my arms, and uh, my great grandfather Ivar came over from Bergen. And at Ellis Island, they changed the name from Holmas with a couple of A's or the funny little A to Holmes. Good old, yeah. you know, fashioned <laughs> Holmes <laughs> degradation. Oh, Holmes, Holmes. <laughs> Ivar Holmes, as in like, 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 like the boxer. Uh, Okay, that's I didn't go there. Okay, good. It call. wasn't John Thank Holmes, you, Eric, if you were thinking. Where I am. Appreciate you. <laughs> well, this interview is degrading perfectly. <laughs> I I pity the listener. Yeah, and just it's, just so the listener, if they are still listening, listen, it will get better, I promise you. I'm like a three year old. Just it just kinda has listening. to, actually. Keep focused. Sorry. Keep well, let's come back I took to everybody the, off. Let's Everybody come back to the it. nickname. So the nickname is a perfect example of how we're going to be sporadic here, right? Okay. So it wasn't Tasmanian Devil on... With Tourette's. With Tourette's, yeah. it became just Taz. Taz, yeah. yeah. As this interview will mostly be. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I made a promise to myself that I would watch my cousin, and so I'm going to do my best because I was on a podcast a little while ago, and they keep having to bleep me out. So <laughs> right I thought on. I didn't cuss that much, and all of a sudden I was like, yep, this... I was like, oh my goodness, it's like listening to a rap song on the radio. Okay. Well, we appreciate that shit, so thank yeah. you. Yeah, 
don't don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the reason for the Tasmanian Devil and Tourette's, I had a friend of mine. We all used to work in nightclub security together. And just as a ther- therapeutic kind of thing, he wrote a book about our times working together in the bars and all the stories that came with it. And there was just a section of it where he, when he was describing me, he said, Marcus is blah, 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 blah. And he's like the Tasmanian Devil Tourette's. And I, I, I was like, I felt like, oh, it was like the best compliment I'd ever received to this day. I still, if it wasn't so long, it'd be like wicked, but it, it is, it is a good description of how I've been in the past, just all over the place, you know, hundred percent good or bad. And, you know, and profanity is, has been for a long time, just my, my language to be able to speak. Cause at the end of the day, which you had mentioned or alluded to earlier, you know, I haven't always been the person that I am now and I have dirt on my skin and I'm not ashamed of it. It helps me to relate. It's funny that you brought up all this stuff about red teaming and all that because my teaching is based on the fact that I I come from the criminal's perspective. I come from where violence is, is raw. If you can't understand the person that's attacking you to a small degree, you're never going to be able to to at least have a survivability in a, in high percentages. So that's very cool. Yeah, that is actually an an amazing similarity to what we do in the red teaming, the counter terror red teaming, counter mafia red teaming, counter hacker red teaming. I've done it all. I've led teams that do it all, including penetration testing for computer systems and and all kinds of false flag and and social engineering and so forth. And that's why I say the idea of the reformed wolf. I very highly value actual security forces. I've supplemented them in my own life. I can I can do EP, close protection. I can do normal security stuff. I can help an ATO or anti-terrorism officer make sure he has the right height on his on his fence line. I can make sure he has the right aircraft cabling. This is things that the, the layman wouldn't know is necessary. A vehicle can go right through a chain link fence if it has the right mass and velocity. A chain link fence with aircraft cabling stapled through it will stop almost any vehicle, including a huge truck. And that's the kind of thing we can do from our checklists and we show them that. But but the the good guys, the blue hats, I'm sorry, the blue, the, the white hats, the blue forces can never truly understand what the actual adversary is going to do. There's that extra 5%. And then that extra 5% is where they will get through. Mosul, Iraq, I did an assessment there and a red team operation on their base. And I said, the likeliest target here is the dining facility. I perceive a V-bid coming in. After all my work and interviews and and surveilling the area, I said, I, it is possible to get a V-bit in here, to get a, a, a terrorist uh, car bomb, up against the skin of this dining facility. And our recommendations, this is past tense and, of course, classified at the time, but it's all open source now, our recommendations including vehicle stopping, bollards, and other ways to keep a vehicle away from the, from the tent. And in the end, uh, less than a year later, a suicide bomber blew himself up in there and killed himself and 22 soldiers. And the Pentagon was went ballistic, and they reached out to my office, and I remember them. I was in the office when they were talking to my boss, and he's, he's like, "Yes, sir, we understand we were there." And they were saying, "Well, you were, your team was there. You, you were supposed to stop this from these deaths by Americans of Americans." And he said, "Sir, my terrorist is sitting right here in the room today, and he did a scenario, and our expert calculations with our engineers and our emergency managers was that what he did, which was feasible at the time, would have killed 220. The fact that we put in mitigation measures, that's what red teaming is about. Find the ways to close the gaps as much as possible, but you can never, ever, ever stop. I mean, you could be stabbed in the back, in a crowd, at the mall tomorrow. Yeah. You'd be Marcus Torgerson with a knife in his back and an obituary. It doesn't. Yeah. The fact that you're always aware as much as possible doesn't stop everything. No. But we can stop much more than the blue forces with that checklist mentality of saying the fence is high enough, the cabling is in place. Yeah, that's where the that's where the dirty dogs come in and really say, okay, here's what else can happen because we like evisceration of children, crucifixion of children, decapitation of children, things I deal with on a regular basis in that world, which ISIS really does, mm-hmm. are incomprehensible to a nice soldier, a nice kid who was an Eagle Scout. He can't comprehend that being a thing. And if he doesn't comprehend it, he won't put the mitigating measures in place to stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, But again, just because I'm, I'm clinging on to a couple of the things that you're saying, I think it's important that everybody listening understands 
the idea of being aware or, you know, in a, in a ready state of readiness on a regular basis is draining and impossible. It's just not, you're going to have to pick and choose your, when you're, and that's where being aware of, okay, I'm the weakest where I'm the weakest in my car. I don't know. I'm just pulling out of my butt. Um, I'm in the weakest car. Okay. That's the time for me to be dialed right in. Otherwise you're walking around like that whole head on your swivel thing and, you know, ready at all times. Like, come on, man, grow up. You can't possibly do that. It's, you would be a miserable, miserable person <laughs> to be with. I got a story about that. You know, how can you be with your, your, whoever your lover is and be like, hold on. I saw Jason Bourne 92 times. That guy over there is 2.2, 20 pounds. He's got a knife in his boot pocket. And that guy's over there. And do you see that car? And it blinked three times. Like, Come on. I, I already, I'm annoyed. You know? I, I, exactly. Oh. That's basic. That's what it is. You're, what you're describing is basic risk management, risk assessment, awareness of what's going on and where you're most vulnerable. Where you're, we're talking about gap finding today, the thing I do in red teaming and you do in the, in the, on the fighting and teaching people how to think like the criminal, the violent criminal. I had a, a buddy from my team who was in, I was in Baghdad at the dining facility there that did not get blown up. And I saw him, and he had left the team, and I will not get specific here. We'll call him Johnny, because he had left the team without his trident, because he made certain life choices that were unacceptable to the leadership, and they tried to remi- tried to remediate him again and again and again. Finally, Johnny was like, nah, screw this. I'd rather go to the fleet. And he did go to the fleet. He did get out of the Navy, and then he went to Blackwater, where, as a former SEAL, the Blackwater guys held him on a pedestal, like, oh, yeah, man, you're, you're, you're in, but they didn't know the whole story. So Johnny was in that exact same space you're talking about. I saw him. I was in uniform. He was all kitted out in his Blackhawk kit. Like there wasn't a speck of dust on it. It came right off the factory shelf. And he was like like creatine out the hair, out the ass. He had his gro- hair had grown out down to his shoulders. And it was all like ringlets, like beautiful, tawny brown ringlets. He looked like, he looked like the guy that you put on the catalog for Blackhawk. Not the the fighting ready guy who's dirty like you said has dirt on him yeah. and is prepared for the dirt and and Johnny God bless him I was like oh shit that's Johnny and I I, I called out across the defect the dining facility I was like Johnny not his real name yeah. <laughs> I said I said what is, I said his real name and he was walking with his tray between the tables he was walking at a perpendicular to my to my view I was looking at him and he was walking from my right to to left about 30 feet away, I said, Johnny, across this crowded defect, the the safest place in Iraq. There's not a very safe place in Iraq, but if you're going to be safe, do it in the dining facility where they have the, the, the Baskin-Robin stand, for Christ's sake, where right. they have the watermelon slicing station because KBR funded it really, really well, and it cost a lot more than it had to be for us to be in Iraq. Separate conversation, different show. But I yelled out, Johnny, and he stopped, and he kind of hunkered down. He dropped down about three inches, took a fighting posture, looked left where the sound came from, and he's like, I'm under fire. I'm under, and he had these like big eyes. It wasn't, I'm not talking PTSD, I'm talking melodrama, talking mm-hmm. drama queen. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you call my real name out with all these terrorists around me? Which, you know, was like REMF, so real echelon MFs, uh, Fobbits, people on the, on the forward operating base who are hobbits who don't go outside the wire. That's yeah. what he was facing. That was, the, that was the ravening hordes he was facing of threat. And he, he saw me, and um, he, you know, I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, why are you reacting like this? You're not in a firefight. This is just this is just you being a prima donna yeah. with your Black Hawk kit. Like everything off the shelf, brand new, never, never got a speck of dust on it. And because they were able to pay a lot of money for their kit, where we all we went over and what we had and we got dirty and we got dirtier over there and came back and cleaned it up. And he he looked, he's like, and I was like, dude, it's Rob. And I like put my hands up, like I'm gonna like we're gonna fight now. And he said, Oh, what's up? Gave me a nod and walked onto another table. This is a SEAL teammate of mine who had what we call Blackwater fever. He'd gotten so into the hype. Don't believe the hype. Just be honest, for God's sake. That's what we're talking about. All this impact stuff is about be honest with yourself. You're not all that in a bag of chips. You're not Ghost Rider. Whatever, whatever call sign you chose for yourself, you're not Ghost Rider. You're freaking Johnny. Just be Johnny with an old teammate named Rob. Right. I thought there was a like a rule. You're not supposed to pick your own call sign. 
No, you're supposed to be giving it to you. I don't know how they do it there. (laughs) I was never in Blackwater, but there's some real. And again, I'm not trying to to diss on Blackwater itself or my all my brothers who went to Blackwater. There's good guys and bad guys in every community, but Johnny was was really an embarrassment in that sense that he was being all full of himself. I don't want people being prideful. I want them being effective and cool. Be cool with each other. (laughs) Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. There's a universal for the entire planet. If That's our planet would need. all stop being dicks, we'd have a far better place. Like you said before we went live, this is a 90% solution. If 90% of the people on the planet would stop being dicks, yeah. we would solve everything. Yep. Yep. Disease, poverty, uh, starvation, war. Yeah. <laughs> These things would go yeah. away if everybody just stopped being a dick. We could leave the 10% out there for those who are really committed. You get to be a dick. You yeah. also. You can be a dick if you want to, but not – Dude, not most of us. Just and that's be cool, usually man. the people get a punch in the mouth. You know, <laughs> exactly. In truth, if, you know, if you're a dick or you're an asshole or whatever term you want to use, those are the people who get punched in the face. You kind of have know. it coming. Yeah, and just but yeah, God would look down and be like, yeah, he deserved to lose some teeth. Yeah, exactly, God's like, that, that, that's cool. In this yeah. case, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of violence, but that guy had it coming. Like, yeah, <laughs> deserved a Matter poke fact, in do the one nose. More just because I know later on he's not going to get this lesson. So do two. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you know. We we've talked in other shows about hitting bottom, and that's about my recovery. Yeah, you have to hit bottom, and sometimes yeah. you're, the hitting bottom involves getting hit in the nose. <laughs> and, and and we talked about gap finding for ourselves and about us searching in fearless moral inventory. And like I said, you're no stranger to this path of recovery yourself, right? No, no. And it's and it's a subject that I I very much like to talk about, uh, mostly just so that the stigma. Of, of what being in recovery means because, you know, Rob, your recovery is going to be different than my recovery on paper. You went through it your way. People go through it. Like, I don't really care about how you go through recovery. I care that you're in recovery and that you're, you're coming to terms with, with everything that, that goes with that. And when you talk to people who are not in recovery and you're like, Hey, yeah. And they, you're at a bar or something. They're like, Hey, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah, no, no, thanks. I don't need to say, I'm an alcoholic and I cannot ingest alcohol, so please refrain from like talk about making people uncomfortable. No, I don't need it. I don't want a beer. Now they'll push it because there's social things that go with it. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. Why? Well, you don't want to drink? And then when they're a douchebag, then I'm like, no, I'm a recovering al- alcoholic, you fucking asshole. Thank you very much. And they're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, if you're gonna be a dick about it, then I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on it, and now you're gonna feel like an idiot. Hopefully you'll learn a lesson not to push alcohol on other people, especially when they're saying no. Recovery and, and bottoming out and you know I enjoy being around um, people in recovery only for one reason. At least you know your shit stinks. No matter what. No matter what, at least you know you're not perfect. The world does not revolve around you. And now you're on a path of trying to become healthier on all levels. And I think that that's, the, again, I'm going to say again with the planet because the planet's in a, in, a, in a disarray right now. If we would all just take the subject of recovery and recover from whatever it is that's that's eating at us and making us unhealthy to be with our fellow human being, it would really make life a lot easier for, for a lot of people. But recovery is a big deal for my life anyways, long story short. Well, that's a really important uh uh, comparison because as you describe, you know, Robert Frost, we all hear we all hear about good fences make good neighbors. We talk about boundaries, impact actual. We have the five powers, body, mind, heart, soul, physical, mental, emotional, and ethical. But this other one, the boundaries, healthy boundaries, aka healthy, uh, good fences making good neighbors. But the reason that's called, um, the reason he, we know that quote, like we know the road less traveled. It's a mm-hmm. tiny little excerpt from a longer poem. Yeah. And the longer poem for Good Fences Make Good Neighbors is a quote from Frost's friend that he may or may not have actually been walking around, but they walked around their properties in that time and in that place and looked at their stone walls. And because of snow-packed uh, winters and uh, heaving of the ground and other things, the stone walls would crumble and fall here and there, and they'd go and mend them. I think the title of this poem is Mending Fences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about going around as a team, both both neighbors who share this one boundary, and they're walking the line together and talking and smoking a cigarette or whatever, and they're mending fences. And his neighbor keeps saying, good fences make good neighbors. That's in the, in the poem. 
Right. Yeah. There's. I've actually gone deep into studying that one, and I've learned that there's people who think that Frost did not mean that good fences make good neighbors, but that some people are obsessed with making good fences and being isolated from others. There's a lot of a lot to read into there. But the simple statement that good fences make good neighbors is one of our driving principles. Yeah. Having a healthy boundaries and mending those fences, and where we're busted, where the sheep get loose at the fence because it what did fall because of the winter. That's where our gaps are. That's gap finding. It's a literal perfect euphemism for walking the walking the fence and finding the gaps like we're talking today with gap finding in our own behavior. And and the, where the sheep get loose on the field, what the way it spills out of our lives is being a dick to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Self-doubt, insecurity, I got to protect myself with offense. Yeah. And I, and that's where accountability, self-accountability um, and honesty which is a painful thing to do for most of most of the population. I mean, let's let's be really real here. If I have to admit that I'm, you know, as an alcoholic, I've done bad things to other people and I've hurt people that love me and all that, all the stuff that we keep inside and we hide away from everybody because of a shame, being ashamed. And I think shame has to be, if there's one thing I would love to get rid of in the world, shame is one of them. Because you would relieve... A significant amount of crap off of your shoulders and in your head if you would just not walk in shame. Because fear fear feeds off of shame. It loves it loves shame. Like, come on, bring on more of it. And you see it in people every time you talk to them. As soon as you push just a little bit of a button and it is something to do with shame, all of a sudden you get a plethora of different reactions to hide that 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 shame. And it, it breaks my heart only because there's no reason for it. Whatever you're ashamed of from the past, it's over with, man. There's no, you can't physically go back and change it no matter how much you would like to. So just don't do the same mistake twice, right? I mean, is that, that's pretty common sense, yeah? Hugely important, yeah, because like we said earlier, shame is uh, is what we hide. You yeah. said, right? The people yeah. hide their shame and they'll defend it. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought cops were dicks. Cops weren't dicks. Cops were arresting a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, well, that's not cool um, <laughs> to keep arresting me, you dicks. Yeah. I want and to commit a crime, darn it. Just <laughs> let me do it. Hello? Exactly. Why you got to be all up in my business? Well, because that's my job. Uh, yeah. My business is being in your business if you're going to be criming. So stop criming, asshole. Uh, that's what Jim Carrey said in Liar Liar. Yeah. Uh, you want some legal advice? Stop breaking the law, asshole. Yeah. It, now, but in truth, criminals, like there's job security in that. The more that the criminals do their job, the more police will do it, the more there's like we, no matter what, as much as everybody would love to get rid of evil and bad things, if we did get rid of all evil and bad things, there would be such a, a gap. There would be a huge gap between people or be a lot of people out of a job going, well, I guess I'm just going to have to start arresting innocent people then because right. uh, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm without a job. So there's not, I, I have no problem with bad people, violence, all of that stuff. But it's just making the discrepancies. Hey, people can't see it online, but you know the, the gap, again, with the gap between good and bad. I just want to even it out a little bit. If violence is going to come towards you, I just want you to have a fighting chance to be able to fight back and do things. If if negativity is going to, you know what I mean? Like the, whatever analogy you want to use, just make it a little more eye to eye, not even fair eye to eye. I'll take chin to eye. You know what I mean? At least that's a little closer than what it is now. Closer to a fair fight. Mm-hmm. And and better for the innocents. That's the ultimate yeah. the ultimate concern for me is that innocents get harmed. I don't care if two guys pound each other bloody mm-hmm. in a bar parking lot. It's like no. you're being stupid and you're being stupid. Yeah. You're playing stupid games. You're going to win stupid prizes. prizes. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. But when a little girl loses her daddy yeah. because a hockey two hockey dads fought a few years ago, amazing right. story that I've never never stopped talking about. Two, and I probably oversimplified it based on my understanding, but basic idea is a couple of dads watching their two 10-year-olds on the ice. One kid trips the other kid. The offended dad is like, your kid tripped my kid. And the other guy's like, well, you're an asshole. And boom, now they're fighting. Well, only one punch was swung, as I understand it. Right. The one who received the punch fell back, caught his head on the back of the, um, the stand, yeah. and split his skull and died. Yeah. Dead. Now you got a dead dad there's two 10-year-old kids on the ice whose lives will never be the same yep. because one shithead couldn't control his anger. And yep. that's what it comes back to. This highlighting one's gaps is all about understanding the self completely, yep. 
uh, warts and all, yeah. and then finally being able to say, okay, I accept that. Like you said, I accept the things I've done that are bad. It's past tense. It's real. Uh, if I still owe amends for it, I will make amends. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I will stop beating myself up for it because sometimes people won't accept forgive. Some, pe- some people will not accept amends, and that's not my problem. Doing my best is. Right. And that's, and that's where self-forgiveness – now, this is where I get, I get a little bit of conflict with people because – you know, as a man that walks in faith, my I've been forgiven. But there's still stuff that I've done that I have a hard time letting go of. And that is a that is my fight. Not my fight. It is it is a fight that I I I try to work on constantly, which makes me I'll say this, it gives me a lot of empathy and compassion. And I think that that's one thing that you know, I'm known in this, my universe is Mr. Krav Maga, Mr. Violence, Mr. Whatever. And it, it, it bothers me a little bit, even though I've, I've perpetrated that because I've, I've spent a long part of my life putting myself in this position. However, no matter how violent everything is, without compassion and empathy, sympathy is a different thing. That's between two words in the dictionary, as we know. But compassion and empathy, if we had more of that... I'm not saying the whole world, but just three guys here on on this on this podcast. If we individually and then collectively have more compassion, and empathy for the people that are going through not such great times, it would make a it would make a huge impact. Like the two men that were fighting. If the two men were fighting, we could pause it at one point in time. Well, you're an asshole. Well, you know what? I am an asshole. That's true. However, I was just worried for my kid, and I'm freaking out. And the other guys, right. like, you know what, dude, I, I get it. Well, your kid's still an asshole and you're an asshole, but, but just for a split second, a pause, which may have stopped the punch, which may have, you know what I mean? That's All our power as action. human beings to restrain action while yes. you process it. But when you take, but that takes ego out of the equation. And since yes. so many people are ego driven, it is increasingly difficult to deescalate when somebody just wants to fight. They just, and they're not even angry at you. You could call right. the, the fight is within. Yes. And which goes back to something you said off camera. You know, if you can just be honest and there's, there's so much to go with this. I mean, we can't possibly delve into it, but if you're listening and you're like, I have shame about blank, just own your shame because it also gives the enemy less to fight with. When somebody comes up and says, hey, Marcus, um, you're a jerk because of blank. You know what? I was a jerk and I right. did do those right. things. I own that. Yeah. My bad. Is there a way we can get through this? Yes. Good. No. Okay. Well, no. Then I'm going to ask you to respectfully walk away. I'm going to walk away and I'll just work harder at, at not doing that same thing again so I can learn from this or whatever. I mean, this 52 years of age talking, it, you know, Marcus at 22 wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like that's, Absolutely. And that's where having compassion for people to try to remember that when you were at an age, you were not such a nice person. There's nobody. I haven't met anybody, even those holier than now, who can sit there and say that at a certain time in their youth that they were a good person. Absolutely. At some point in time, everybody's a shithead to somebody, no matter exactly. what. Nobody's and that goes back to the compassion. Being aware of that, recognizing my own fallibility is a huge benefit when it comes to acknowledging others. You know? Yeah. We, uh, I like to help our clients understand that if you are more understanding of other people, you can get a lot more done. And that's what we ought to be focused on individually. Not, not talking any high and mighty kind of stuff like, let's go change the world. Rather, how about I, own, I make my own life a little easier by not being a dick to others and bringing the negativity onto myself and that it just cascades. People don't even want to hire me if I'm a dickhead. No. I might be the best at whatever job they want to get hired, but they'll take the second best guy because he's not a dick and easy to work with. And I'll never see the loss. I don't recognize that opportunity cost that I paid just because I'm walking around being not nice to people. Yeah. Blaming them for arresting me. And you know, so there's, what's that guy, Simon Shrek or Simon Shinek? Sinek. Simon Sinek. Yeah. So I saw a video that he did and it's really, it made a good impact where he was talking about how he'd work with team guys and, you know, high performance, high values. And the guys who are high, have high, high performance, but low values are the worst guys on the teams, right? And that goes to business, goes to life. And and I've said, if I could just be a medium performer, but high values, what an incredible asset I would be, not just to my fellow human being, but to me as an individual. 
Right. Right. I can always work on, on work ethic. I can always work on my performance. But if I keep my values where people can depend on me, I'm not stabbing anybody in the back. And I, you can trust me with your wife. You can trust me with your money and your life. I'm sorry. It was wife and life. Right. So right. <laughs> uh, if I, if you can, if I can be a person that people feel that they can trust me on those things, then I have successfully navigated my way through this life. No matter what I, I can die a happy man. And I think if we all did that, or a strong percentage of us, again, what a different world we would have to have those to have those caliber or those uh, capabilities. Hey, Marcus. Yeah, I'm trying to figure the trying to go with the best way to ask this question. So, obviously, in the crowd world, and, and you teach people, when do people? And this just goes back to gap stuff and, and things yep. that you need to work on as an individual. When people come to you. As a new student, mm-hmm. where are they coming from? Are they coming from a place of something terrible has happened to me? I got to learn how to protect myself. Are they coming to you from, I just want to get better at protecting myself. Nothing's really ever happened. The world right. scares me. Where are people kind of c- coming from to understand Krav and, and to become proficient at it? Well, and it's 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 a it's a good question, and it's a it's a loaded question because when people come to anything where they want to uh, change their their behavior towards violence, most people come as a reaction. I've been attacked, I've been beaten, whatever, and I want to learn to defend myself. Um, there is a few percentages who are like, I want to be proactive because I've seen what the world is doing, and I don't like it. Generally, it's reactionary. And, and my, my response is always the same thing. It doesn't matter how physically prepared you're going to be for when or if violence comes to you again. It's how are you responding inside, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, brusely, all the least. That, and it's the hardest part to deal with. Because if I have Eric coming to me and you were with your child and you got beat up by six guys. Okay, there's a lot of trauma that's going with that that you're not even going to admit to. So you may want to come and I go teach you some cool moves. And then what? You're going to be looking for violence because you're going to try to make up for the last time you got your ass kicked. Because you're ashamed and you're fear-based and all of that. And it's something that we don't do enough in the, in the self-protection realm is allow somebody the opportunity to be honest about their trauma. Why are you coming here? Well, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. So then you go and you do some movements, a couple of burpees, a couple of punches. By the way, you're doing really good. And you, as, as an instructor, when you have 50 students, you can't possibly do this. But you can push them to sit there and push an agenda. I have an agenda when I teach. You're, you better believe I have an agenda. My agenda is for you to not be afraid of violence. And that comes from a whole that's like many different ways. So, Eric, if you got your butt kicked, my job is to sit there and teach you some moves so you can calm that trauma and so that you can start to feel secure with the fact that if it happens again, you'll have an answer. But the goal is to never have that violence come again. And it's it's like I'm, I'm like the worst self-protection instructor on the planet because everything I teach, I can teach you in five minutes. Everything you need to know to protect yourself, I can teach you in five minutes. It's, that's probably why I'm not very financially successful is because I'm not going to lie to you. Where it's tough is why, Eric, are you wanting to hurt somebody else? Like, let's get to that. And then before you know it, you find out that when you when Eric, I'm going to just throw Eric under the bus here. When Eric was 15, um, he was in school and he was humiliated by getting beat up by three guys. And he's carried that for so long and that it's manifested into Eric walks down the street and wants to learn every martial art known to mankind. He carries 19 guns and four knives and a couple of bazookas. And he's got an RPG under his left armpit because he's never going to let that happen again. So I don't know if I fully answered Eric because it is such a layered question. But no matter how you're learning, wanting to learn self-defense, whoever's listening to this, my question is Why? And find a solution that benefits all aspects of you, not just your physical. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I don't know. That was really – there's a lot of verbal diarrhea yes. right there. So Yeah. No, I mean that, that absolutely makes a ton of sense. I, you know, 
I've always wondered, you know, why people kind of get into some of the, you know, like some people do it for the discipline aspect and, yeah. and to feel more one with, you know, with themselves or whatever the martial mm-hmm. art is that they're looking at. But yeah. um, I think a lot of times people, and, and you, you kind of took things where I was hoping you would come into it because of a prior event that happened yeah. to them that has now made them feel some type of way about that. So they're going to come to you as sensei and you're going to solve all their problems because, yeah. you know, that's going to happen again, you know, four months down the line, which it won't. But Which um, it probably never will. You'll know. never be attacked again. The minute that I say, Eric, I want you to do this, this, and this. Well, now you're walking with a little more confidence. Well, if you're walking with more confidence, you're a pain in the ass to attack, so you're not going to get attacked. They like to sit there and beat up uh, people that are easy targets of, of opportunity, except for the 1% of the population that is coming out of jail and they want to go back in, so they're going to go and find the biggest guy possible, which is usually they'll find a cop because it's better for them to beat up a cop so that when they go to jail, their time is easier. You know, what are you in for? Assault. Assaulting a cop. Oh, you're going to do easy time then not from the guards, but from everybody on your tier. But that's 1%. 1%. You know, I, you know, I generally practice looking on a, I generally practice looking unapproachable. So that way nobody really, well, it, well, and that does so. work and you're married. So it's okay. You don't want to be approachable by women anyhow, but, but, but if we're honest, you know, why are we learning something is to, because of the big, bad, scary violence. Well, man, it, to be honest with you, it kind of reminds me of people that conceal carry. Now, I, I'm pro 2A, man. I'm all about guns. Bring it on. I love this country. Woo! However, you got the CCW or LTC or whatever your, your state is, and you're carrying a firearm. Why are you carrying a firearm? To protect myself. Okay, let's just pause that for a second. You understand that the minute that you go and present that weapon that your opportunities for ruining your life have gone through the roof. Well, I'll do blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. And you're going to go to jail, jail, jail. And your kids are going to be sad, sad, sad. And your wife's going to have a new man, man, man. So you know what I mean? Like we need to open the scope of what it is that's bothering you when it comes to self-protection. Let's be honest. It can be any subject. And by being honest and authentic and transparent, then the truth will come out. And then you can do some real uh, work to become a real nightmare for bad guys. That's my little catchphrase. So I had to throw that in there. But you know, And then there's headbutts and what? Hugs and headbutts, yeah. Hugs and headbutts. Hugs and headbutts, yeah. That's my my love and violence. Yin and yang. See, that's about as deep as I am, Eric. Guys, I'm like a puddle. I'm as deep as a puddle. And a very small puddle at that. Well, you're talking about body, mind, heart, and soul stuff, developing the whole person. Same back to impact principles. And you're talking about, you know, we talk in the world of martial arts, it's it's self-defense, not offense. It's not aggressing. Putin, as we tape this, is aggressing on -hmm. his neighbor in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He's aggressing. It's it's not self-defense. He claims self-defense. Mm-hmm. But the same as, as you're talking about, Eric, the scenario in which somebody gets violently assaulted and then has a an emotional fear reaction and wants to go get trained up with Marcus, Tony Blauer, you know, mm-hmm. another guy in our circles who is yep. a bona fide badass and guaranteed to help you not yesterday. be afraid of violence. Yep. He says, expect the violence, right? Yep. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. You're going to come. Don't flinch. Or No, he says, trust the flinch. Use yeah, the, the flinch, flinch reaction. Let the the yep. flinch is going to start your, your, your next action in response. Yep. But it's self-defense. It's not going around trying to be a dick to people. We talk in my tradition in Japanese jiu-jitsu about the brown belt syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like I got my brown belt. I'm like, whoa! I'm a badass. I'm gonna go. I want to. How many twenties can I pull out of the ATM right now to stick in my pocket so they're hanging out? Yeah. And I go to the darkest alley I can find yeah. and walk back and forth until somebody attacks me. Yeah. That is a juvenile perspective, and it's what a lot of people who are looking to feel safer. And God bless them. I'm not judging. I have been in that position before. I've been afraid. I've been fearful that I'm in a weak position. I've I've wanted to plus up in a, an aggressive way so I'm more dangerous. But we're not looking for a fight at a mature level as a fighter. Yeah. You're looking to avoid fights. And as you said, Marcus and Eric, you're saying there, the more unapproachable you are as far as violence goes, yeah, violence people swap. can perceive it. The, the yeah. predators recognize 
capability and they do not come near capability. I've, I almost never get accosted by anybody, but I can walk right past, I can be walking by somebody else who's, he's like the, the violent semi uh, mentally unwell person on the corner is aggressing that person, mm -hmm. but they see me and they go, Oop, boop, look, look the other way. And, yeah. and I'm not walking around trying to posture. I just am capable and yeah. it comes through. It's palpable. People can perceive yeah. it, and they and so you're less subject to violence, uh, random violence, and unexpected violence if you're ready for the violence. And that's why we talk about readiness so much at Impact. Getting ready for anything means you're so ready for whatever happens, and often it won't happen. Well, and you know, you going back to your red teaming, when you have predators meeting other predators, well, all of a sudden now it becomes: Is this worth the fight that I'm going to have? And most uh, cowardly predators are, or are going to, to go to, to, well, it's actually just human beings in general. We're going to go the path of least resistance, right? Absolutely. Um, do I break into a car with alarm and crowbar and dog, or do I just find the one that's got the open door and the windows open, the keys in the car? Well, I'm going to take that one. So if I'm, a, if I'm naturally, and I don't like, I really don't like, to be honest with you, alpha male and apex and all these terms because <laughs> as an apex predator i'm not a shark okay a shark a killer whale they are apex predators they're the ones that are going to make me feel about this big but i am i am knowing that i can i can deploy violence verbally or mentally or physically to someone and it just becomes down to can i be better at violence than eric like, that's really what it comes down to. Am I willing to do what's necessary to Eric? Poor Eric's getting, like, just, like, he, I'm coming on and I'm getting attacked by Marcus here. But can I like I do the fight, more? so it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> can, can I do more to Look Eric? My, can you see my nose? I mean, people <laughs> yeah, can, can, can't yeah. see my well, nose. Yeah, you got a Philly's hat on, can. so I figure you, you're, you're okay with getting punched in the face. Five times rearranged. I'm, I'm Canadian. So it's okay. Okay. I'm, I'm Canadian. We talk hockey all the time. It's okay. Oh, I know sorry. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the Canadian network, right, on an anchorman when they come out to fight oh, and they're like, Lord. we're going to mess you up. Sorry. sorry. We're going <laughs> to cut your heads off. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you brought up Tony and Tony's the other Canadian and I love Tony to death. Like, you ever remember the Muppets? You remember the Hell Muppets? Hell yeah. The two Grumpy old, old men. that are in the, in the, in the, in the. Absolutely. In the I'll be the bald one. Tony yeah. can be the hairy one. <laughs> Well, this listen, show I, I sucks. Ha ha ha! hair in my head right now. <laughs> but the truth is, is when it comes to violence or anything else, am I willing to do more than the other person? And that's like you just have to understand that there's a there's a food chain, and you may think that you're all that, and then all of a sudden you meet somebody who is all that, and that's when you have a come to Jesus moment, and you're like, okay, well, I'm in the hospital now, and uh, I, I I I barked at a dog that bit harder than I did. So, uh, and I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to sit there and, and try to educate people on that because it, that's a life lesson. You need to get your punch, your, your face punched in. You need to yes. go to the hospital. You need to sit there and have a, sh have shame for being beaten up in front of your daughter because you were acting the fool. Right. Right. Like that's inviting it. That's yeah. If you learn from it, the, the idea is to learn from it. I'm not saying right. I know how to do that because I've made the same mistake over and over and over I'm and over. I'm still learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're either winning or learning if you do life right and do yes. the accident. Then do the the, the positives and negatives. Uh, there can be you can be winning and losing, or you can be winning and learning. And yeah. I learn as much as possible. I learn from other people's mistakes as much as possible too. Right. And there's some mistakes learn that you every mistake. can't. You have to go through, right? Like I, I look at broken hearts. Right. A broken heart is the best thing to talk about because everybody's experienced it. Right. And usually, if you talk to somebody like I've been married twice. You know, I got two ex-wives. Yep. I love them to death. Now, I could look at it and be like, oh, pissy and whatever, and not 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 own what I did wrong, and two, what, what went wrong in the situation. But I'm not going to talk bad about somebody that I once said I loved, right? Because if I am angry at them, I'm angry at me, and I'm not owning it, so I'm going to pass that off onto somebody else. What kind of nonsense is that? You know what I mean? You do that when you're 15. You're all mad at the person because you're 15 and young and stupid. But now as an older person, if I do it, I'm just old and ridiculous. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Embarrassing. I don't want to be ridiculous. 
I do enough ridiculous stuff by mistake. Let me not do it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's worse when I do it on purpose. Lincoln said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than open your mouth and prove it. That's the fourth time I've heard that in the last 36 hours. Well, you know, God tells us things we're supposed to be hearing. Yeah, yeah, so I'm going to two ears and one mouth. Yeah, I heard through sobriety that if you don't hear the message, the message gets louder. And I've had those messages get louder <laughs> yeah. over until I'm in the chains and the bars and they think, oh, I should have probably listened earlier. But yeah. hey, now I can learn. Yeah, yeah, that's, there's a lot of truth there. I hope everybody's listening to that. Exactly. And, and, and I want to I leave a takeaway for the listeners that this is why we're not dissing martial arts. Mm-hmm. We're not saying it's bad. We're saying it's amazing, but do it for the right reason. And the right reason is to be ready. And yeah. the more ready you are, the more you can protect yourself and others, self-defense. Yeah. yeah, That's a very worthy thing. And it actually prevents fights because, again, the predators will be like, oh, that dude's capable. Let me leave off on this. I had just another overlay in Turkey when I was there doing an assessment of, I forget which base, but we were doing a red team against the base, and they said, yeah, we were targeted by, um, I think it was Indralik Air Base. They said, we were targeted by jihadis. They, we have records of the conversations they had, and they waved off and went to a Jewish center in uh, Istanbul because it was easier, because we were too hard to hit. Now, that is not okay to hit anybody, especially an innocent uh, group of people who are literally just trying to recognize their their human their, their commonalities and humanity. But it was a, a win for that base, because that base was like we're describing, being the man who walks, or the, per- the woman who walks down the street and is aware and ready enough, but not in a panic state all the time. Not like my friend Johnny, who jumps when in, because they didn't, somebody didn't call him ghost pilot or whatever. <laughs> Do Dude, I, back. I refuse to. I'm telling you right now. If you, if any of you guys has a call sign that you gave yourself and you would want me to call you that, we're gonna have problems. <laughs> I am not, yes. I'm not calling Eric the Philadelphia Slasher. Oh yes, it's like Step Brothers. You can call me Nighthawk. Yeah. What was it? What did he say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it ain't gonna happen. Hey, if you guys ever get on radio comms and you're having to establish comms like we do in the field with our HF or VHF radios, call signs are not clearly identify when you're just doing a training op for comms. You just have to pick up call signs. And I want to say, hey, Tim, this is Rob. So I'll often say, because whoever declares the names first is the winner. He gets to use them. So I'll, and of course, the first word that comes out is the addressee, right? The person I'm calling to. So I'll always say, morning dove, morning dove. This is Screaming Eagle. Come back. And then boom, it's locked in. Now they have to be morning dove like, you fucker. I don't want to be morning dove. That sounds so good. But now he's morning dove. I'm going to be dove. the most violent morning dove there you... is. <laughs> I'm going to put the Punisher logo with a dove with an axe and a knife. Insecurity. Insecurity yeah. flares. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. you said, touching on the shame, right? Yeah. Touching on yeah. the shame is the easiest way to find the gaps in a person. Yeah. On myself. I hold yeah. myself accountable, right? If I, if I react to something that Amy does, I will very often see an area that I need to deal with. It's not her. She's just creating an external stimulus in my environment that happens to activate my trigger, my gap that we're trying to highlight today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a bitter pill to swallow. Eric, how old are you? Like 12? You're like, you're a kid. 42. (laughs) Are you really? Yeah. Oh my goodness, you got good genes, kid. Hey, man. But this, you do. You should just, if your parents are still alive, you should call them right after this and be like, thank you. Thanks, mom. Yeah, Thanks, they dad. both are. Yeah, they both are, actually. So. Okay, well, then yeah. make sure you give them a call and just be like, listen, this Canadian guy that's Norwegian told me that I need to call you guys and thanks for the genes. But insecure. On topic, I will do that. On topic, I am an honorary Canadian because Canada is actually right across the Niagara River over yeah, yonder Buffalo. for my house. Oh, is that right? So, yeah. Literally, the border is about. Uh, I could hit a golf ball twice and be in Canada for my house. So hit a I'm golf an honor. Ball twice. I say, <laughs> yeah, that I'll you're say almost, almost there with yeah, one shot. Dude. There, Happy Gilmore. That's right, man. Yeah. So I a, a process a boot. Uh, <laughs> organize. Organize. What a great organization. So, oh yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm from upstate New York myself, and I say sorry. Well, oh, Marcus, Lord. what do you want to say? to the listener to take away on everything we've talked about here with your finding those gaps, highlighting the gaps, because you've done it in sobriety, identifying your personal weaknesses and areas to shore up. You've done it in combat. Um, what is what is the fundamental lesson for takeaway for highlight your gaps? I would, I would say, if possible, try not to live in fear. 
You know, like if it, if it's, if you're ashamed of something, it's fear-based, everything fear-based is usually viewed as a negative. Now there's a way we can turn fear to positive, but just staying at, at, at the conversation, you know, what are you ashamed of? Be honest about it because it only holds power to you. Most people don't care. So let it go. So you can be a better version of you. So more people will want to be around you because you are, there's love in everybody, everybody, even, even the worst people on the planet have love for somebody. So, the normal good people, if you don't live in fear, then all of a sudden you can be a lot better to other people, which would make the world a better place. Not being a dick. Don't be a dick. So, Eric, I'm sorry to say this, but because we are all honorary Canadians or Canadians, and we all are Norwegian, identifies North American Norwegians, two of us are sober. I'm guessing you have to stop drinking now. So, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Either uh, that or have drinks guys. for me. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get to drink three times as much. Yeah. <laughs> This is really good stuff, guys. Thank you so much. This is a great Noir Custom. Can you spell your name? Because a lot of people aren't going to be able to get that dot, right. dot yeah, com. Yeah, that's, I'm guessing that's how they find you. Go to your yeah. site. Yeah, it's Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, and then it's T-O-R-G-E-R-S-O-N. It's not Torgensen. It's Torgerson. Right on. Tor-ger. Fantastic. I know people are going to want to reach out for this and, and to grow in their own martial arts ability, their lack of fear or learning not to fear violence and do it for the right reasons, not yeah. just to go aggress somebody else. This is a really, really good session. Right on. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a, it's been a blast. It's an honor and high value for our people that are listening right now. Eric, thank you as always, brother. Thank you. Glad to be here. And thank you to the listener. You guys, we appreciate you. Come back Come back next week. This is going to be, we're winding down the 12 tasks and things are getting only spicier and spicier. So come back and same time next week and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.